Thanks for tuning in. I'm Scott Walter. And I'm Michael Watson. In this episode, the left in New York State is in disarray as Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo retaliates against the Working Families Party for endorsing his primary challenger. This is the Influence Watch podcast. Earlier this month, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo got a shock in what looked like a relatively easy re-election campaign. The Working Families Party, the left-wing political party, which tries to pull the state's Democrats toward the labor union and community organizer left by using New York State's unusual multi-party voting system, endorsed Cuomo's opponent in the Democratic primary, the left-wing actress Cynthia Nixon. Governor Cuomo responded by taking the fight to the Working Families Party's institutional support. He reportedly told labor unions that provide financial support to the party that they would, should lose my number if they continue to support the left-wing faction behind Nixon. Now, labor unions are walking away from the third party they helped keep afloat as this formerly sleepy political race gets very interesting indeed. Now, Mike, uh, Governor Cuomo's squabbles with the Working Family Party are not new, are they? They go back to his first term as governor. Uh, in 2010, uh, Andrew Cuomo is elected to su- succeed uh, David Patterson, who had been the lieutenant governor under Elliot Spitzer, who had had to resign because he had been caught in Washington, D.C. with prostitutes. The uh, Cuomo governs his first term as a left of center but pro-business uh, Democrat, as a left-of-center pro-business Democrat, a, a Wall Street Democrat. Uh, the Working Families Party, which is the la- basically the labor, fa- the labor and community organizing faction, uh, was not very happy about this. And they pushed, briefly considered, uh, endorsing a left-wing primary challenger to him in 2014. Cuomo, who is a machine politician operator, Daddy was governor, too, and, Mario. And, and a member of the United States Air, H-E-I-R, force. Uh, Mario Cuomo was three terms governor of New York. Uh, and repeatedly, more than that, considered a potential candidate for president, although it never got very right, far. He never ran. Uh, the, I didn't give the keynote at one of the DNCs in the 80s. He certainly did. He definitely yeah, he was a famous keynote address where he referred to all of America as just a family. Um, a terrifying prospect for anybody who <laughs> believes in limited government. But uh, so so Andrew Cuomo uh, comes from this political family, knows how where all the bodies are buried, how to operate in the seedy world of New York state politics. And he declares war on he threatens war on the Working Families Party. He invents his own new party, the Women's Equality Party, WEP instead of WFP. Uh, to as a threat to punish them for flirting with his primary challenger. Uh, they ended up reconciling. Uh, the uh, WFP ind- ultimately endorsed him in 2014. Uh, Cuomo wins re-election, and in his second term, his 2014 to 2018 term, uh, he has governed far more from the left than he did in his first term. 
which is to say the WFP had some effect because the whole point of these the whole point third of parties the, is pushing the two is big pushing parties. the two big parties. So a brief a brief aside on how you vote in the state of New York. Yes, that um, that will that will help people understand because most of us are used to having only right. two party lines right. when you, you have, go to vote. You have the Republican candidate, you have the Democrat candidate, you have maybe some third party candidates or some independents. And you vote in one bubble, and whoever gets the most in the bubble wins. Um, in New York State, there are, I believe, seven or eight, uh, in addition to petitioning candidates, seven or eight ballot-qualified political parties. But if you look at, let's say, the in a, in a typical uh, New York State partisan race, the name under Republican will be the same as the name under conservative, and the yeah. name under Democratic will be the same under working families. And Liberal Party. Uh, Liberal right? Party no longer exists. Or did they get it, rid of... Ah. In, in fact, in a funny Andrew Cuomo story, uh, when the Liberal Party nominated Andrew Cuomo against George Pataki in 2002, but Cuomo didn't win the Democratic nomination, so the Liberal Party didn't get enough votes to keep its ballot line. Uh, you need to get 50... As a ballot line, you need 50,000 votes for governor to keep your ballot line for the next election. So... As, as a little party, you want to endorse one of – you typically endorse one of the big party candidates. You get more than 50,000 votes on your ballot line, and then you get to continue to exist basically as a pressure group. So the – and typically, because the Working Families Party is very left very left wing, it endorses the Democrat and tries to pull the Democrats to the left, and the Conservative Party of New York State uh, tends to be more right wing – so it tends to endorse the Republicans and try to pull the Republicans to the right. Yep. Well, now, uh, the thing is, in this fight, this is very much a fight within the family for Governor Cuomo because uh, he and the Working Families Party are interconnected in multiple ways, including in money trails, are they not? Uh, yes, certainly. But it's reasonable to say that the WFP's member organizations. Uh, the WFP is propped up by labor union money, the community organizing groups, a lot of which are direct lineal descendants of ACORN, the, uh, the former community organizing network that was shut down amid allegations of voter fraud and financial misdealings in the late 2000s. Or shut down or renamed its constituent parts. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the national network was shut down, but all the constituent parts were immediately reconstituted. And the reconstituted parts in New York are strong supporters of the Working Families Party. In fact, for a long time, the New York Communities for Change, which is the new name of the former New York City ACORN office, uh, and the Working Families Party shared office space. The uh, So... What Cuomo has over the Working Families Party is a number of the Working Families Party constituent members, both public employee labor unions and community groups, have direct ties to the, to the state government. Direct ties as in they get money from. Direct ties as in they get money from or have collective bargaining agreements with. Yeah. And help to elect and, and <laughs> the their, bosses. And their and their yeah, yes. And with all the... Uh, you know, the, the government worker unions certainly get to uh, lobby, uh, advocate to elect their bosses. The advocacy groups, all surprising, surprise, surprise, have C4 arms that are allowed to engage in electoral politics and support the candidates 
who will ensure that the gravy train keeps flowing. And as one to uh, briefly jump on one of my favorite hobby horses, the unions, which are also in this mix, the unions themselves are some of the biggest uh, political donors and certainly some of the most powerful political activists uh, in the state's politics. Absolutely. Um, so what Cuomo has done, uh, as, as, we mentioned, as you mentioned in the introduction, is he has allegedly, according to a senior Working Families Party official, told the government worker unions and the community groups that essentially you're dead to me if you continue funding the Working Families Party because they're not going to support me. Yeah. Instead, they're supporting Cynthia instead, Nixon. Instead, they're supporting Cynthia Nixon, who is mm-hmm. best known for, I think she played Miranda on Sex and the City. Is that right? I don't know. Not a favorite show, my I'm not. I'm not but a, but I, I think that sounds right. I'm not a, I'm not a two th- late 2000s uh, television person. Um, so to get, and to get an idea of the scale of the ties between the community groups and the state government, the leverage that if Cuomo wished he could use to punish the Working Families Party— uh, Make the Road New York, which is a uh, immig- immigrant advocacy and also labor union advocacy group. Uh, we have a very long profile on them on InfluenceWatch.org. They receive apparently a million dollars a year in state contracts or in, and in state and in state grants and aid. They receive also a bunch from the city uh, and. I don't know if they get any from the feds, but they definitely receive a substantial portion of their of their funding is government money. And uh, given given that kind of tie, that's a point of leverage that Cuomo has. Yeah. And I, I should break in as well and say at this point, uh, we, of course, are discussing all of this purely as a matter of reportage, uh, since we study influencers, special interest groups, unions, nonprofits. Uh, right. we this can, is we, a very fascinating right. case study. Right. This is a very, a very fascinating case study of how influencers and politicians interact uh, in—and and again, it just happens to be specific to New York State, which, is a, which has, as a spectator— very interesting politics. <laughs> yes, it's certainly fun. We are not here uh, in any way to uh, help or hurt any of the various political actors in this case, but simply to report right. on we can, we, this very complicated right. we can, we can, battlefield we can discuss, strategy. We can discuss, we can, we can discuss from 35,000 feet, but we cannot play in the game. No, and, uh, and neither of us are registered to vote in New York, although somehow I suspect once in a while that doesn't matter. But, um, but uh, neither of us will be voting. Uh, uh, my, neither this. of us will be participating in this, in this election. <laughs> so um, the, there, you mentioned that unions are mixed up in this. Uh, what are some of the unions that are playing uh, in this fight? So the biggest union is probably the New York City Teachers Union, the United Federation of Teachers. It's an affiliate of the American Federation of Teachers, which is the national, uh, one of the smaller of the two large national teachers unions. And uh, the UFT basically drives the AFT because once you're UFT president, uh, when the AFT president decides to retire or passes away, then you become the AFT president. At least that has been the last three of the last four. Yeah, so Randy Weingarten, Randy, the current head of current the American Federation of, of the, Teachers, current nationally. head of the National Union, was immediately preceding head of the New York City Union, uh, Albert Schenker, who is uh, 
president of the AFT back in the, I think, through the 90s. Uh, he had previously been president of the UFT forever. Sandra Feldman, who succeeded Shanker, had been president of the, of the UFT before becoming president of the AFT. Uh, very large, very powerful union, uh, not only in New York City, but also <clears throat> nationally through its uh, links with the AFT. Uh, so a meeting was called, you know, was called through Michael Mulgrew, who's the president of the UFT, uh, and at which, again, according to the Working Families Party people, uh, Cuomo started issuing threats. And uh, after it was made known by some means, one presumes that uh, Governor Cuomo was not going to take uh, the Working Families Party siding with his challenger again. Uh, he was not going to take that well. Uh, unions started quitting the Working Families Party. Uh, the Service Employees in, Service Employees International Union Local 32BJ, the Builders and Building Employees and Janitors Union, not to be confused with 1199, the Healthcare Workers Union. Uh, they they left the Working Families Party. Uh, the Communications Workers of America Local uh, for New York City. Communications Workers of America is one of is probably the most left-wing, private, principally private sector union, uh, yeah, close, closely aligned with uh, the uh, Our Revolution, which is the uh, zombie Bernie Sanders campaign. Uh, yeah, and I would jump in and say, uh, Communications Workers of America in New York uh, is the now has the distinction of being the first union to organize a major American foundation. Uh, George Soros's Open Society Foundation uh, very recently uh, became that first foundation to be union organized, and it was Communications Workers of America uh, who landed that prize. Communications Workers of America also uh, represents major big city newsrooms uh, through its uh, Media Guild uh, subsidiaries. But so the the uh, SCIU 32 and the CWA local. Uh, both withdraw from the from the Working Families Party. Uh, subsequently, I believe the UFT and the Retail Wholesale Department Store Union uh, also with, withdrew from the uh, from the Working Families Party. Yep. Now, uh, in New York, of course, state New York City politics loom large. Uh, and we have in the past on this show, episode 10, in fact, talked a bit about uh, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, elected with the help of... With the strong support of the Working Families Party. Yes. Uh, and SEIU. And, 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 S and SEIU 1199. The, so he has uh, been kind of caught a little bit in the middle here. Uh, now, it is widely reported that de Blasio and Cuomo don't like each other. Uh, historically, New York City mayors and New York state governors, even when they're nominally of the same party, are always fighting over control of very uh, control of uh, public pu public works, uh, the question of who's responsible for the subways, which currently is the state. Um, so, given the the both the turf wars and the fact that both uh, you know historically. Uh, men who have been governor of New York and or or mayor of New York City have always seen themselves as a potential future president. Uh, you have ego battle. Uh, and now 
Cuomo has basically decided to fight with de Blasio's faction. Uh, de Blasio, as, you, as we discussed at length in episode 10, won election as mayor in 2013 and then subsequently re-election with the, on the back of the Working Families Party machine, on the back of the labor union machine. And again, there was certainly hope uh, on the left that this was going to become the model f- forever. Yep. Uh, well, in politics, few things go well for long. <laughs> but uh, speaking of politics, the Working Families Party, uh, let's do a little deeper dive into what that is really like, because unless you are a uh, follower of New York politics, yeah, you probably don't know much about Unless you're, a, unless you're a, a keen observer of New York City and or state politics. Um, and in, in fact, the you're probably so likely to know about them that in 2015, uh, before the last presidential election, Center for Popular Democracy, which is a labor-aligned uh, 501c4 group, and the Working Families Organization, which is the Working Families Party's associated 501c4 group, they commissioned a survey to, you know, how are we going to win the, win the 2016 presidential election as, as the left? Uh, and they were going to use the Working Families brand because everybody thought it was moderate. Uh, they are so moderate that they just hired a new national director. And this gentleman was formerly a leader of the Movement for Black Lives, which is not just Black Lives Matter. It's perhaps the left wing of Black Lives Matter. Uh, they Not before, your country club, Black not, Lives not Matter. Your, not your person can just genuinely concerned about whether the police are using an appropriate level of force. These are people who issue manifestos before the 2016 presidential election calling for reparations for slavery, like breaking off relations with Israel, which they called a genocide state, uh, and demanding free tuition and open admission for all African Americans at every public university in the United States. The far left of the left. Yeah. So so Working Families Party is... uh, isn't likely to have produced sweeping majorities, it sounds like, uh, even in New York State or city. But uh, in fact, some of their allies on the left have expressed concern about them. Isn't that right? Right. The, so the uh, Mason Tenders District Council, which is one of the many building trades unions in New York City, uh, it's a long list, uh, given and given their privileges in uh serving as the work for public works, uh, that yeah, that's how you get so many of them. Yeah, uh, I have to throw in my favorite rule. I don't know if it still exists, but in New York City, building trades was you could not flip a light switch if you were not in the electrician's union. <laughs> given, given the number of members of the Building and Construction Trades District Council, I believe it's called, uh, I could believe that. Uh, but anyway, so the director of the Mason Ten- Tenders District Council, as all this stuff with Cuomo and the Working Families Party fighting uh, breaks, he go he was called up by uh, by Politico, the uh, Washington Washington based, although it now has a New York uh, affiliate, uh, political trade publication, and uh, he he pretty much ripped into them. He said, "quote Unfortunately, it the Working Families Party." was never allowed to become what it was supposed to be because the agenda was always driven by the so-called progressives running the staff 
In hindsight, it's easy to see the whole thing was just a scam, a cynical ploy to drive a radical agenda using the muscle and money of organized labor while widely ignoring the actual concerns of New York's working people. Yeah, now this is, that is a, a great quotation because one of the problems the left perennially has is that the different factions are not really helping each other out. A uh, classic example would be environmentalists who don't want all kinds of things built that people in trades unions that build things would like and to build, the, like and, pipelines. Right, and the building trades unions in New York State are very good friends with Andrew Cuomo because uh, Andrew Cuomo has protected their privileges over public works. And thus a, an all-out war between organized labor and the governor, who has been quite nice to them, is not in the Mason Tenders District Council's interest. Yes. Uh, nor, uh, given the, you know, obviously New York State and New York City uh, have significant Jewish populations, and if you were somebody trying to make your way in politics in those places, you wouldn't want people saying that Israel it, is a genocide it, it, state. It, it That's might, probably not going to help your that, fundraising. That might, that might be an uncomfortable. That might be an uncomfortable association. Yes. So, uh, so there are problems like that. Well. Uh, as we know on this show, most any group that we ever talk about and that you can look up on InfluenceWatch.org was a previous group prior or was uh, born out of a previous group. So name, change, name changes and new, organiza new organizations springing forth fully formed from the head of other organizations are uh, very common. <laughs> exactly. So what is the genealogy of the Working Families Party in New York? So... The Working Families Party itself grew out of the old New Party uh, from way back in the 90s. And the idea behind the New Party was that they were going to bring New York State's uh, fusion voting weird ballot line system to the entire country so that they could then do the same thing that the Working Families Party does, dragging the left-wing party to the left in every state. Uh, Supreme Court said, nope. That's not, you know, there's no obligation for a state to institute New York State's weird system. And pretty much everywhere else after that, the new party folds, except in New York, where the uh, people behind the new party, Dan Cantor, who is until recently the, the uh, leader of the Working Families Party, uh, organi organizes the Working Families Party. And who does he organize it with? Acorn. The community organizing, labor union organizing group uh, that, again, controversially fell into a corruption scandal and some uh, voter registration fraud scandals uh, in the late 2000s. Yeah, multiple, I remember there were multiple employees of ACORN in multiple states who not only committed vote fraud but managed to get themselves convicted of it, uh, even though. Oddly enough, our mainstream media I hear every month explains that no, there's never been voter fraud in the history of America. It's you know rare as hen's teeth. Can 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 we can debate the uh, the frequency and scale, but it is certainly the case that these clipboard people have been known to write a few names that might not exist. Um, so after they lose that, they lose federal funding. The network kind of disintegrates. Uh, but Acorn the, Network. The yeah. Acorn, yeah, the Acorn Network disintegrates, and all the regional offices, like the one in New York City, 
reemerge as with shiny new names and new letterhead, and some of them work out of the same office. And there you get New York Communities for Change, uh, the community organizing wing of the labor movement in New York City. Uh, direct lineal descendant of Acorn, uh, deeply involved in affordable housing fights, uh, close partner with the Service Employees International Union headquarters during the Fight for 15 minimum wage campaign and the so-called fast food strikes. Uh, so, uh, and they are, mem- you know, mem- organizational members of of the Working Families Party and. In, again, in fact, for a long time, they shared office space with the Working Families Party. Yeah. And I would throw in, since you mentioned uh, that these activists fight in housing issues, uh, our friends at the Manhattan Institute have thousands upon thousands and upon thousands of words to explain why New York City's rent control laws are a crime against humanity. Uh, and there's they're, cer- they're certainly a crime against the laws of economics. Yes. And it's... <laughs> The, it, they are not, in fact, helping poor people, um, but there are many they're, millionaires. They're, they're, helping, they're helping elderly, high-middle-income people who have been lucky enough to be sitting in a rent-controlled apartment for 30 years. <laughs> yes. I have friends in New York who laugh at the preposterous rents that they pay, which uh, would they pay rents that would, are barely high enough to tip the doorman um, in their beautiful buildings. Uh, and, of course... For anybody who appreciates the way markets work, if you make it impossible for people to uh, even break even on producing housing, quality, you will have a shortage in, of housing. Quality and production production deteriorate when you cannot make the inve- make your investment back. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that and and you know, on the subject of again abominations against the laws of economics, perpetuated by New York Communities for Change, uh, they were. Uh, Jonathan Weston, who's the head of uh, the head of New York Communities for Change, was the vice president of the straw sort of legally a labor union, but it had no members and didn't represent anyone in collective bargaining that was set up by the SCIU for the purposes of this minimum wage and card check unionization campaign uh, called called the Fast Food Workers Committee. Now that's subsequently been absorbed formally into SCIU. Uh, that is to say, the pretense that it was ever the, yeah, not the, just the pretense SEIU. that it would now it, again ninety plus percent of its funding came directly from SEIU headquarters. They didn't even have the decency to put it through. You know, they didn't you know, do a cutout. They, they didn't huh? even they didn't even use a cutout. They just here you go wrote the checks. Um, yep. And so now they have yeah they have dropped the pretense that that it's anything other than SEIU organization and SEIU unionization campaign. And yet, even though 80 or 90% of the money came from SEIU, I am quite confident that 80 to 90% or more of the New York Times news stories reporting on actions taken by the group failed to mention any connection to the SEIU. They mentioned a connect. They may have mentioned a connection, but not the level and scale of stage management that was actually occurring. <laughs> yes. So, and then we should also add that, uh, quickly, because it it needs to be um, better appreciated, in the fight for 15, as they so nobly uh, put it, where they're, by God, uh, the lowliest busboy is going to be making $15 an hour because we are so generous with other people's money. number that they apparently just picked out of thin air because it sounded good. Well, fight for 15. It's got nice alliteration. (laughs) It's got a nice alliteration. You can say it into a bullhorn, you know. 
So, but uh, as often happens, as uh, even our last week's show, we, were, uh, we emphasized how often the folks who claim to be uh, wonderfully selfless and helping the least among us, uh, well, the Fight for 15 scam doesn't actually necessarily help the least among us, does it? What is the, the classic union uh, 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 arrangement in sure. some of these fights? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, in the in the in the fight itself, the union is giving money to its to its front to its front organizations, to its public relations consultants, uh, Berlin Rosen, who uh, are deeply involved with Bill De Blasio and the Working Families Party. It's all in the, you know nice and nice rat's nest of uh, people connected to other people. Um, and then when it comes time to comes down to brass tacks, and the union decides that it's time to make members. Uh, the SCIU uses the card check, uses the public, you know, guy standing in the break room, sign a union card, sign a union card, sign a union card, uh, and not the traditional, conventional, government-supervised secret ballot, secret ballot election, like how we would, you know, how we would vote on a ballot measure. Uh, the SCIU also is part of this campaign. Uh, the fight, the fight for fifteen wants to get rid of franchising, which is, you know, if you go to you go to your local McDonald's, it probably isn't owned by McDonald's Corporation in Oak Brook, Illinois. It's probably owned by a local guy who took out a loan, you know, took out a loan at the bank and uh, used it to open a re- open a restaurant that he contracted with McDonald's Corporation in Oak Brook, Illinois, to operate as a McDonald's. Uh, this annoys the unions because they can't go to McDonald's Corporation in Oak Brook, Illinois, and unionize the entire country. Yeah, that make, would make it much easier. And then there's the the further uh, angle uh, of dishonesty in this that while claiming that they are going to win $15 an hour wages for all people, what we discover in these laws in lots of places— that, uh, Seattle, in- Seattle has, uh, has, disco- has begun to discover this. So— Seattle's probably the most left-wing city in the nation. Uh, has the only openly Trotskyist lawmaker. <laughs> um, maybe they can work up to I, a full, yeah, full-fledged yeah, yeah, Stalinist. Yeah, maybe, yeah but, but uh, yeah, hopefully they don't. The they passed a substantial minimum wage increase to the to the fifteen dollars, which New York would later follow. Uh, and they were so confident that it was going to show that uh, you know people are advancing and it's all it's all going well that they commissioned uh, the University of Washington uh, with very granular, very detailed data to study the effects of the policy. And even before it gets to 15, they already had discovered, uh, the University of Washington team had discovered, that because restaurants can reduce hours, some are going to go bust because they can't meet payroll anymore, uh, some are just not going to hire. Some are not going to hire workers. Some are going to uh, lay off workers that they have to adapt to the new uh, the new mandated uh, pay pay levels. Uh, that actually they were reducing the pay pack, the monthly pay packets yeah, of the actual take home the actual take home pay, pay of actual of struggling actual, people at the bottom of, of the actual low income workers was falling by one hundred twenty five dollars a month. Uh, this so scared the politicians who run the city of Seattle 
that when they saw a pre-publication version of the study, they called up their friend at the University of California, Berkeley, a gentleman by the name of Michael Reich, who is a big labor, you know, he's a big labor guy. Uh, and they got Reich to agree to do his own study, because you can always get two economists to disagree with each other, uh, that would show that everything was fine. And it wasn't until afterward that uh, some free market groups in the Seattle Weekly obtained some emails showing the, uh, the contacts between the city and, um, and, Berkeley and, and the Berkeley professor Reich that all, that all this came out. And for good measure, the city cut off funding to the University of Washington people. <laughs> yes. Don't tell us what we don't want to hear. Don't, t- don't tell us what we don't want to hear, yeah. which, which, which from a, you know, when this had been announced that the city was actually going to see what was going to happen, you know, many wonks were very happy that this, was, this, this should be the model for studying policy. We should we institute this new groundbreaking policy. We should, we should study it. And, of course, politicians being politicians, they ruined it. <laughs> yes. Uh, And the last twist on all this that I would say is that many of the laws uh, that are supposedly going to raise wages for everyone have a little escape hole for the big business involved, for the business involved, namely, well, of course, if you let us, the union that have just uh, fought politically for the So remember what I said about voting in public to join a union? The loop in a lot of these minimum wage and so-called living wage laws, if you are organized under a collective bargaining agreement, if you're unionized, then the law doesn't apply. And the company does not, in fact, give you the $15 that you thought listening to the And the company, if it negoti- you know, depending on its negotiation with the union, you know, oh, you're making fourteen fifty. And this gives an even more perverse incentive to the employee, regarding the employees, because now... The employer can collude with the union to get at the employees. Yes, which has has, uh, has occurred in many uh, kinds of efforts. Uh, f- we talked last week about uh, the auto unions, and uh, in Chattanooga, the VW plant was teaming up with the unions, trying to force its own workers right. into the union. Uh, to, to make peace with actually the German Union back in the home right. country. Right, uh, weird, weird things regarding VW's ownership structure that are dictated by German law. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, to, getting back to New York and the governor's race here, uh, what do the latest polls say are the prospect for incumbent uh, Governor Cuomo and his reelection? As of the time that we're taping this, uh, Cuomo looks like he's going to win. Uh, I think the latest poll had him up with 58. In the primary, had him up with 58% to uh, Nixon's 28. Now that was more than Nixon got the first time, but it's still Cuomo's over 50. You know, incumbent over, incumbent over 50 is generally uh, considered very considered very strong and unlikely to lose. Yeah, now uh, that's going to lead to ish. Assuming that that happens, um, that is going to lead the Working Families Party to have to make a momentous decision. Right. So. If, as seems almost certain, the Working Families Party formally gives Cynthia Nixon their ballot line, uh, I think they meet in early May to formally decide the ballot line, Then and then Nixon loses the Democratic primary, 
the Working Families Party will have to decide whether or not to kick Nixon off the ballot. Because if Nixon, because Nixon will have the ability, will have a general election ballot line, the Working Families Party line. And obviously for a left-wing party, there's the risk of, oh, oh no, what if we split the, the left-wing vote? Uh, for the Working Families Party as an institution, if Nixon goes to the general election and doesn't get 50,000 votes, then the Working Families Party loses its automatic ballot qualification, which institution, I mean, br- you know, bringing it back, the old liberal party of, among other people, Mario Cuomo and Rudy Giuliani, uh, lost its ballot line because they didn't get enough votes. The, and then they could, again, go all the way to the general election, and, you know, it's a strange time in politics. Uh, stranger things have happened in the state of New York, uh, obviously back in 1970, uh, against the father of the current commissioner of the National Football League, the brother of uh, conservative, right, uh, conservative uh, icon. thinker, icon, William F. Buckley, actually won a seat in the United States Senate. Just with only the conservative with party solely line. Solely on the conservative party line. Uh, yeah, that so was a one term. That was, he, but still. He, he was he was not reelected after Watergate, but um, the so strange you know stranger things in New York than Nixon conceivably winning on a third party line have happened. Um, now let's assume that Cuomo win. You know that kind of the polls are all worn out. Cuomo wins. He keeps fighting with the Working Families Party. Then it becomes after the election. Would he take further retaliatory action again against the community organizations? Again, you know, Make the Road has its million dollars in state contracts. Uh, a lot of these community organization groups, New York Communities for Change, get money from government worker unions that might wish to ingratiate themselves with Cuomo, and and that brings up again the issue of will will and how might Cuomo respond? Yep, and of course. Uh if Cuomo is confident about his chances in the general election uh, against the Republican, he might be quite happy for Ms. Nixon to stay on that uh, working families party line and not get her 50,000 votes because then he would hurt his rival Bill de Blasio in New York. He would hurt his frenemy Bill de Blasio, who is reliant on the working families machine. So if he managed, you know, if uh, Nixon didn't get that 50,000 votes, then the Working Families Party loses its line. That strengthens Cuomo, the Cuomo machine, which is backed by, among other people, the state AFL-CIO, uh, the, the sort of Wall Street wing of the Democratic Party, uh, against the SCIU labor organizer left that, uh, that backs de Blasio. Yeah, well, so again, just uh, the the disclaimer that uh, it is not our job to help or hurt any of these people, we are, and we do not intend to. We, we are just, we are spectators. Yes, <laughs> but but we are just uh, amused spectators on the grand circus that New York politics has been it's, for centuries. It's, it's the best show on it's the best show on C-SPAN. <laughs> there you go. So thanks so much, Mike. Well, that is our show for this week. If you are listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, you should know that we broadcast a live video version of this podcast at 10 a.m. on Thursdays on Facebook Live and YouTube. You can find our pages by searching Capital Research Center. And if you're watching the video version, we encourage you to subscribe to the audio on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next week.